Am I, are we rolling? Hi. Hi. This is For the Girls. It's a podcast about you and your diva. I'm Jason Black. I'm Nick Westray. And damn. This is our intro of our first episode. Oh, um, Hi, Jay. We have a podcast we now. We have a podcast. Isn't that exci- are you excited about that? Yeah. I'm... I'm nervous to to see what happens. I I think we should call this unfresh air. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I feel like I but feel no like one's used that before. We're fulfilling our duties by as Americans by having a podcast because everyone has a podcast. What it's is obligatory it? now for all human beings to have a podcast where they talk about. I'm something. sure there's a fucking podcast called. Your dead grandma has a podcast in hell making tuna sandwiches for ghosts. <laughs> I always say that differently, and I liked how that this time it came out. I, that's one of my planned jokes, so just get ready. Um, okay, so what's this podcast about? You said it was about you. Yeah, I don't know. You t- yeah, it's about queers loving ladies. It's just gays gabbing about girls. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, trying to figure out why it is that queer people um, become so obsessed with iconic female performers. Who loves a diva? Um, well, queer people love divas. Moms love divas. Your aunts love divas. Aunties. Great aunties love divas. Great aunties Your sisters love, love, divas. love divas. Sisters are so crazy about divas. We're really grateful for all the sisters who brought divas into our lives. Um, and... Uh, we also have a little bit of a disclaimer. Oh, yeah. We're going to call ourselves out before anyone else can. It's like the warning labels that were on CDs back in the 90s. Uh, explicit content. This is our explicit content This is our explicit warning. content warning. Our, <laughs> our big warning is that we are uh, the lamest thing in the world, uh, cis white men. Yes. And we feel gay or straight at this, in this cultural moment. Um, that probably all white men can shut the fuck up, but since we are truly, if you can't tell from this immaculate intro, trying to make a million dollar podcast. Yeah, we are, because that's the only way to make a million dollars now is to have a podcast and... Um, Get a Casper, ma- Casper mattress. Yeah, exactly. And it's obligatory that we have a podcast. We figure as long as we're in the world where everybody has a podcast, we're going to spend our podcasting time... Celebrating women, celebrating the work of great women, talking about what women mean to us and how we love them. And to be honest, we just, we came up with this brilliant idea because it's something we've done since birth. Yeah, we've been friends since we were kids. Um, Our moms are best friends, and so they kind of just foisted us together. And we uh, had a mutual obsession with divas our whole childhood and our whole lives. We were just two queer little boys jumping on the trampoline, listening to Whitney Houston. Yeah, we were just watching every Kathy Bates movie imaginable and pretending to be her as often as possible. I mean, come on, listen, honey. How many five-year-olds can quote Sio Magnolias back to their moms? <laughs> that was like the laugh lines I would get from you her. You really could. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so that's why we're, we feel qualified to talk yes. about this. So, those are our qualifications. Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> we went to the school of us. We went to the school of us. We continued the school to of divas and other. us. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, what's going to happen on this podcast in the future is we're going to interview other super fans. So we have our own diva who's our number one, and we want to talk to you about yours. So we're going to have different fans on, and we're going to you know meet other fans because lots of times fandoms don't collide like that. And we're also going to... You know, there's there's so many fans out there. So we're going to cover, you know, all of you. And we're going to keep covering these stories, even if right. it's the same diva. Yeah, there's going to be hear. more than one share episode. How could there not be? 
And if you already, again, can't tell, we're going to make mistakes. Yeah, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. So call us out, yell at us, um, help us love divas better, and um, uh, help us fact check. Because we, um, we also like to say this is a completely historically accurate sociological podcast by two uh, veteran journalists. So watch out. Okay, who's our diva? Okay, let's so do let's this. meet ah, our diva. We did it. We did the intro. That's the intro. <laughs> our diva third, is... For the third time. Bette Midler! Yay! <laughs> Bette Midler! We're talking about our diva! That's our diva. Bette Midler is our diva. She mm-hmm. has been since we were really young. I mean, our diva... Our, our goddess. And our light in this world. And no Truly. one listening to this who knows us, um, and we hope more people listen to it than just that community but our friends really know this about us very well oh and it's and and i think when you're obsessed with something uh you understand this like our friends will put uh, a moratorium on how long we're allowed to talk about Mm -hmm. that because we fall into what we call our bet k-hole where someone will just bring up something, and we're like, you know that Bette Midler said something about that once. Oh, like yeah. A friend could say, like, do you have any flour? And I'm like, do you know about the time Bette Midler made a cake? Oh, we can do 100 degrees of separation from Bette Midler like no one's business and bring it right back to her and then find a good five hours so to on sit this in podcast, front of people. We'll probably, uh, we now have made a podcast to do the thing that everyone told us to stop doing. <laughs> they hate. We're doing the thing that all of our friends genuinely hate about us. You're welcome. You're welcome. Give us a million dollars. So how um, did we find her? So how do we, well, I mean, I am going to claim credit for that. Origins. Origins. I'm actually going to give credit to my sister, Molly, who Molly had a prolific collection of cassettes in the early 90s. Things like Joni Mitchell and Linda Ronstadt and um, Bette Midler. Mm -hmm. And I stole two cassettes from her, Experience the Divine, which is Bette's greatest hits, which she released in the early 90s. 93. In 1993. And a little soundtrack to a little film called Beaches. Which probably everyone, that's probably what everyone associates Bette Midler. That and Hocus Pocus, right? Yeah, Those are the yeah, two. definitely. So we just started listening to it, and then I brought it to Jason. I was like, you have to hear this. And my memory is uh, Nick, Nick, Nick's uh, family house is a old farmhouse, kind of out in the middle of... I mean, it's literally in the middle of cornfields. Yeah, in the I middle mean, of cornfields. Absolutely. That's all you actually see from the house on every side. Y'all were redoing your basement, or you were adding a we, basement. There was like an, we did it like an addition, you know, like when your family does. I don't know if any of you guys did, like when your parents add an addition to the house. We did this addition of a kitchen and kind of an office library den for my dad. And then underneath there was this basement, and they're like, oh, we're going to do a finished basement for the kids. But before it was finished, it was just cement for well, years. Well, finish was, was carpet? Eventually carpet? it had carpet. Oh, okay. Remember in like the wood paneling? Yes. And we'd watch movies down there. Yes. But before that, it was just cement, and we had our rollerblades. And we did what every uh, red-blooded American boy, boy does. would do is put that put that uh, greatest hits on and just live, girl. Just dance rollerblade around the basement with my sister. Mm. That's her. I talked to her the other day, and she said that's her principal memory of it. Is really yeah, is that's rollerblading mine. to Bette Midler in the basement. I every remember day. just being ecstatic. I remember just like connecting movement with this sound and being like. This is it for me. Mm-hmm. I I love this. I loved that emotion. I loved for that can, interpretation. You can even uh. imagine what our parents might have been thinking when we were just like all of a sudden so rabidly obsessed with this woman. Mm-hmm. 
And like out of nowhere. Confusion. I think just, well, well my mom was, was like a weird person. It was a very specific person to become obsessed with. And it just, I, yeah, I just have to imagine so unusual because it wasn't a current even of the time. Like it wasn't like a Madonna of the time. Like it, it wasn't, wasn't Madonna. It wasn't. I mean, Paula though Abdul. We, though we were also obsessed with Whitney Houston. She was. Diva she was two. our current diva. She. We did. We did. We did say current. We ha- we're not current at all, and we'll get to that. We're My never God. current. Then a very 12. special movie came out for you in 1994. Um, 1993. 1993 mm-hmm. was Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. Mm-hmm. And I think, as I said, Wizard of Oz. Uh, and to, I'm, I'm just an endless parade of gay shit. Uh, my childhood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast subtitle is an endless parade of gay shit. <laughs> for straight years, I was a witch for Halloween. And... I had we had just fallen in love with Bette Midler, and uh, in '93 she came out with the I think the Halloween classic. I mean, what, the what ultimate Halloween, the classic. ultimate Halloween classic, Hocus Pocus, Hocus Pocus, which is still I I consider one of my favorite movies. It's of still all very time. iconic, and what so many people know Bette Midler for. Yes, well, it does you, and it combined your two favorite things, which was Bette Midler and witches. Mind blowing! It was a mind blowing. It was it was full. She was she went full camp. It's a full camp classic. She sings a song in she it. She sings a song. She sings Sarah a version Joseph of Parker sings a song. Oh, Kathy and Jimmy, Jimmy is hilarious and Thora beautiful. Birch. Thora Birch was also our gay crush because she it also did amazing. the film Now and Then, which was um, one of. I had a poster of Now and Then in my childhood bedroom in 1995 or something. You're welcome. This biography came out on Bet mm. by a guy named George Mayer, and it was mm-hmm. just called Bet. Um, my dad, <laughs> I remember, I wasn't allowed to get it. And then I got really upset about it. And my dad was like, fine, I'll get it for you. But I have to read it first. And he redacted it. He took a marker and he redacted certain sections about her life that I wasn't allowed to read. And so then is when kind of I realized she was subversive. That's when I realized like, oh, this is bad. This is there's something about her that is because I think people forget like there's 90s Bette Midler, right? Who we all know, like. Hocus Pocus, she had just done Beaches, she had just come out with From a Distance, which was this huge mega hit. She's known for the, the, the you know, the, she, she's the ballad queen. She's the ballad, the easy ballad listening, queen. yeah, mm-hmm. queen of our, you know, and that's how you think of her. But we, for, we weren't around, we weren't alive in the 70s when she was considered the Madonna or the Lady Gaga of the time. She was very provocative, very foul. Her concerts were insane, and she was known as this provocateur. She would always be getting bleeped out on award shows Mm -hmm. for swearing. She was just a a provocative lady. So I think a cool example of that is in her taped concert, Divine Madness from 1981, uh, she updates Leader of the Pack. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And East Street Shuffle is kind mm -hmm. of like a a medley. She does like a medley, and she, she takes Leader of the Pack, and... And she kind of puts on, she makes it this like kind of punk anthem where she like is yeah, she's like laying on yeah, the she's ground. Like, she's like humping the stage. She's like like fucking the air and she's like fighting, fighting. with her backup singers. Mm-hmm. And it's, I remember seeing it, we were pretty young when we saw this and just being like really, it was like shocking. I finally got, it was cool. I finally got why she was a controversial person to like or the, why my parents were nervous about it. Yeah, let's play a little bit never, of it. Oh yeah, never, let's play a little bit. never, 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 never. never. No, 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 no,
kind of can't believe that that's the first Bette Midler song that we're having on the podcast because it's just like I, I imagine it's a track that none of you fans listening to this pod know probably. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I th- like I think we said I don't. Th- a lot of people know that side of her. Yeah, I mean, I th- for us, I think her concerts are some of the greatest. So uh, yeah, or I mean, the she, greatest things. For she me really to see. is a concert artist more mm-hmm. than a recording artist. I mean, she's popularly known for certain recordings, but these concerts, she loves giving these concerts. And this song, I love how she takes a wholesome thing like "Leader of the Pack" seems like this wholesome song, and she makes it dirty and scary. And, and I love that. About and she'll her. say like concerts are the place where she gets to be the most creative, where she gets to have most control of her creativity, where it's yes. a, basically a full expression of herself, of those ideas, of her point of view yeah. on this music. And so much of her career and life is about taking old things and making them new again. And I think this is a really uh, great example of that. And the extraordinary thing about this concert was that. Uh, they actually filmed it and made it and released it as a movie in 1981. And it was kind of the only, it was the only one of her concerts for a long time that we had access to because this, of course, was before YouTube. This was the dawn of the internet. And we didn't really quite, uh, you know, back in the, back in the 90s, we didn't, we didn't really know what was out, what was out there. We didn't even really know, well, we did, we were just coming to terms with our sexuality and we didn't right. even for a long time understand that that one of her one of the ways she got propelled in stardom was was by gays like was the gay community i like i really needed to go and um and get into my bet midler well and i got online and i realized that there was there was a huge community there was this uh, shout out to this website shout out uh bootleg betty it's it's a great bet Bet head fan site and i was like oh there's People are, you know, and it, and it combined all of her stuff. It combined all of this live stuff. There was now a defunct website called Bet on the Boards that had chronicled all of her stage tapings. And to me, that was just pure fucking gold because I had consumed her albums. I consumed the books. I consumed the movies. And now I was like moving on like the Grateful Dead, you know, mm-hmm. the Grateful Dead, you know, uh, pass around their bootleg concert, every concert they've ever done. Right. And that was like this for me, getting to know this side of uh, of Bette Midler and kind of seeing that there were other people like me. I didn't reach out. I didn't, I, I never reached out. I never, um, I had, I had you baby and that was enough. So yeah. When I think about now why I'm a fan, I, cause my fandom has never waned. Mm-hmm. And I think of it now, and I was thinking about this the other day, like there's something about her voice, that just the timber of her voice that can cut me so deeply, that can get me so emotional so quickly. Like the break in her voice makes me very, very emotional. And um, it, gets, it sends you. It, it just you sends there. me. And I was thinking, yeah. I feel bad for people who don't have a singer like that who can cut right at them. Like if I need it, if I need to be calmed on a flight, I put on Bette Midler. If I need to be moved or have a moment, I put on Bette Midler. If I need to be happy, I'll put on some Bette Midler and they'll probably make me happy. But like, there's something about that voice that just goes right into the center of my being. You know, as, as we said in that already iconic intro, we are uh, going to be interviewing other fans and, and learning about other experiences, and they are so different, and they are so unique. There are some people who have, who have created an entire community of friendships around this one artist. Yeah. Um, 
Which is extraordinary to me. And, and, and some people who like have only, who have never seen this person live or, you know, it's, it's, it's so unique and personal. I know for me, and, and this is so creepy, and we neither, uh, for us, we have been very, we've drawn a very clear line. We don't want to meet our goddess, right? We don't want to meet Bet. Yeah, no, it would it'd be very hard for me. It would be hard. Yeah, we, I think we both have decided that we would throw up and then pass out, which is yeah. really cute. But I think if I did, if I did meet her, and this is, <laughs> this doesn't, also like being a fan is somewhat creepy. Do you know what I mean? It's like totally being creepy. obsessed with someone, yeah. like talking to the minutia about them. But so, and this is an any less creepy. If I did see her, I would say, you have been a part of my life every single day since I was a child, like mm-hmm. every single day I have needed you and been inspired by you and thought about you and, 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 and moved through the world with you. Yeah. And that's also and a that's lot for a, a lot. human being to take. Oh, co- I mean, who could? Oh my gosh. I mean, and I'm sure she's heard that before. Oh gosh. Oh, all the time. I mean, you know, people say like, you know, you saved my, you saved my life. And, and really I'm saying like, you have saved my life. Like like you said, like mm-hmm. I go for you for the sad, I go for you for the happy, like I go for you for the inspiration. It's it's really interesting. It's also like being a fan of hers was I, I often think it was like us exploring our queerness or being gay kind of before we knew that we were. It was like an expression of that. It was an expression, a full expression for me of like that before I understood that I was gay. I think okay, so you know. We're doing the divas, right? We're, doing, right? we're doing the divas, and I think like what makes our what makes you know our diva special, our diva stand out. I feel like the like like you love some things. Oh yeah, there's some so many bad things. <laughs> you feel too. some bad. Like I feel like our oh, yeah. relationship is like we take that whole interesting package. You got to take the rough with the smooth. With yeah, the, I think that. for us, like our unique thing is like she's not. Um, she's not perfect. She's not perfect, and she's we, we not. don't try to make her. We don't she's try to defend her. She's a. That's what she calls herself. The she calls her diva. <laughs> well, that's the other. And thing. she makes fun of herself. And the other thing about she her goes voice there first. too. I love this. She gave this interview to this great chat show I love in uh, the UK called Loose Women, and one of the women on the chat show said, "Oh, you 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 have the greatest voice of all time." And Bet stopped her, and she was like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> I do not have the greatest voice. I know that. But I'm very lucky that there is something about my voice that people respond to. Mm-hmm. And that's a great gift that I have. And I appreciate it. But it is not the greatest voice. Because how could I be so lucky? Mm-hmm. I just can't understand why I got so lucky. Because it's not the greatest voice. Really, let's call it dog a dog. No, that's not, not the greatest voice. It's you know, okay. It's okay, you know. But I'm lively and I'm certainly amusing. <laughs> well and I have these little uh, eccentricities that people seem to think of that just oh she is so cute and that's great and I love that about her and it's actually the those parts in her voice where she the reach when she reaches for it and you wonder like is she going to make it through this number and she pours so much of herself into it that I'm like she might not make it she might not make it and when she does you're like oh my god but you can tell it's not easy for her Mm -hmm. like it's a struggle the songs are all a struggle and she puts that struggle into the music, which I find so thrilling. Even doing this right now, that's coming up for me is, uh, uh, thinking about how you're more, you're still more vocal. I think about 
about that and you're, and, and you're going to throw it down. I, I feel so um, exposed and vulnerable. Like, you know, she's my special thing. And I, I, I can't quite, even though we're like, you know, she's not perfect and, and you and I can, I can't, it's, uh, I can't let anyone else say that else say that or, right. or, or go there. Like, it's mine. I feel like it's, and there's, a, there, there's a thing with fans that there's an ownership. Right. And, and that's my thing. And I know all the things and I should, I can have all of the feelings, but like, right. I just, my guard goes completely up. Uh, and I also just feel like you fools, you don't know it. Cause you know, I mean, I, in the pantheon of divas, I would say like, she's one of not the lesser known, but maybe like, you know, like she's, I don't think she's up there like a share. Right. Where like everyone's like dancing to the club or something with her. Oh yeah. No. Or, or you know, Barbara's much bigger S- career, much, many more number ones. Yeah. So I feel like people are like, you know, I, I feel like you fools. And like, I'm just like, I, I, I'm not going to get on your level to educate you. Like, what are you doing? You're, so you're only going to make I, an entire podcast about it. Yeah. I'm only going to make a <laughs> goddamn million dollar podcast about it. And, and talk, and, but it is coming up for me. Really. Like, like I all of a sudden for me feel, as I'm just protective of it. So I'm going to put it on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I've got a question for you. Why yeah. do, why do queer people love her? Why, why do you think, why that? do you think it is the gays and queers? Well, we talked about so this. Much. Okay. So, okay. So, uh, so, and I just said like, I don't want to explain anything to the peoples, but now I'm going to, um, she started her career at the bathhouses. She started, she came to New York. She, uh, was on Broadway on Fiddler, Fiddler on the Roof and she wanted to break out and she kind of was a lounge singer and toured around. And then what is truly unique to her and the other divas, you know, because they get asked that question all the time. Watch anyone that's on the, you know, on the tube, do it on the YouTube, getting interviewed. They're like, "Why do gay people love you?" Well, Bette Midler literally made her her name performing at a gay bathhouse, which is like a the Continental Baths, which is like a sauna slash sex club, sex club. And she ha- she uh, you know performed on the stage in front of uh, half naked men. These men, and, like, in towels, and it was a million degrees down there. And she had a hairdresser named Mr. Gerard uh, who said, you know, you got to do more than just sing for these boys. Like, you need, to, you need to get them jokes. And so she created this whole act with topical jokes about that community. So there is this outsider, this woman, coming on stage, literally speaking their language. And, and, she, and she has this... It's not direct, but she ha- she always will say this in interviews that how she they were these boys were so scared to be themselves that they pushed and inspired her to be as big and outrageous as she could be, and encouraged her on 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 every angle of her ideas. She she'll say that this that was the freest time of her life and it's great because there it is it was caught on video you can go to youtube and see like an entire hour-long concert where she is just i mean it is i think her most bananas i mean she's just it's the most out there concert the sound quality isn't great and she is also just wailing also we should say like shout out to barry manilow barry manilow arranged all of her music and plays the piano in these hey let's uh let's play a cut um i want to play her signature this song was written for her and it's called Friends, and I think it's there's something so amazing because she's she she started with that song at the bathhouses, and she basically has included it in every single one of her live concerts, 
And there's something so moving to me because she's singing it to a group of disenfranchised people mm-hmm. and singing how important it is to always have a community. And I'm, I'm just obsessed. Oh, yeah, let's listen. emotionalism in those concerts in the baths and in this or and in the 70s concerts all the way up through like the rose her film in 1979 but it's like a piaf or a garland it's not the most beautiful sound you've ever heard but it's the rawest fullest um most abandoned you ever see somebody sing with yeah she took what i think all the this kind of ugly duckling exposure and just shook it out on the stage just forced it in front of your face and was also with 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 all of that energy was was vulnerable and i think that that's what a lot of people respond to in her music is this kind of openness mm-hmm. this the, the getting to that heart of the song even those sappy songs there's something kind of ripping open well, in, inside that, of her there's also that expression that, that we always talk about too that she, even though she sings sometimes saccharine songs or what people consider you know, like sentimental music, there's an edge to her voice that makes even sweet songs sound edgy or sound emotional. I have a or, roughness to uh, it. There's a rough, yeah, she has a rough quality to her voice. It never, her voice only starts sounding really sweet and smooth much later in her career. And we'll get to it, don't worry. But, um, <laughs> Don't you worry. But that rawness. Stay with us. We have three more hours. <laughs> that rawness was really there. And um, and I think that's what the gays responded to, you know? Yeah. What are your favorite performances of Bets? I didn't write this down. I didn't even think about it. It's coming right off my head. Um, uh, <laughs> in fact, Nick was like, save it. Um, so here it comes. Uh, save it for the pod. Yeah, save it for the pod. We have no more friendship anymore. We just save everything for the podcast yeah, we, because we're so dedicated to you guys. No, the only time the we speak is when we record for you. Mm-hmm. So thank you for ending our friendship. Do you think we're going to need therapy for doing this? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. We're not getting that deep. I think we'll be fine. Talking about um, divas. <laughs> it ruined our lives. <laughs> what? What's your favorite? What? Give me one of your favorite okay. performances. Okay. Uh, so, so bizarrely, the first song on the experience, the divine. Remember, was "Hello in There," and 
I had just so many moments listening to that song. It's this beautiful, it's this John Prine ballad um, that Bet reinterpreted, kind of just about, about uh, getting old and kind of losing step with your life and your, your kids growing up. And she, and she tells it in this heartbreaking uh, reading. And, and I remember as a young kid thinking, I, have no, I had no idea you could uh, make a movie out of a song. And it ignited my imagination. And it's still, th- still listening to the first chords, it, it thrills me. Can we play some? Yeah, let's listen. This is um, Hello in There by Bette Midler. So I think we're both, I, I am, we're both are, we're partial to the bangers, which yeah. we're probably going to be talking about soon. But I love these songs. She does, there's lots, of, she has lots of songs like this, these these ballads that almost, a lot of them almost weren't even written for women that she reappropriates and she changes some of the words and rearranges, but she loves telling a story. I mean, this, I think of this, uh, her Delta Dawn, Mill worker. she does Mill Worker, um, she, there's this cradle days, one, cradle days, Martha, which is a Tom Waits ballad that she changes genders for and did on Saturday Night Live in the seventies. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to start another podcast where I just play Bette Midler songs and make everyone listen to them. So that's you not can this. Subscribe to that's that. A, that's a separate. You're sure you're doing two diva pod. One is just the <laughs> Bette Midler podcast. Not yeah. you're like this episode's not enough. Um, yeah, when she just sinks her teeth into it, she just sinks her teeth into it, and she you can f- she's just living each verse. She acts a song acts better a song. than anyone I know. Mm-hmm. She would she would spend hours on each song finding the character mm-hmm. of the song, like you, you know, not just how to sing it, but yeah. the ca- embodying the energy. And she's char- a character. She's a character singer, and it's completely singular. Um, so my my favorite. I mean, one of our favorite songs of all time is Stay With Me, which is a song she sings in the film The Rose. So The Rose is kind of a, it was kind of like a loose Janis Joplin biopic that she did in 1979, even though it's not supposed to be Janis Joplin at all. It's, it's just, really the only time she went full rock. Full rock. It's capital full R. rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, this performance is so um heartbreaking, huge, devastating, and amazing. Okay, so I'll just play a little bit of it for you. It is like the rockiest number, the rockiest album. If you want to hear her rock out, go on Spotify. This is her sing- this is I this is like her, one of her signature songs that fans are obsessed with. She does it on almost all of her concerts. It's like her grand number eleven o'clock uh-huh, exactly. Yes. Maybe it was too good, too good 
station we are which i feel like is the only thing i ever wanted to do with my life <laughs> for the bed midler podcast i'm running a bed midler radio station uh yeah i just fucking love that song also like that's your fa- is that your favorite i think it's my favorite, your favorite? it's my favorite yeah. and i love there's so many different recordings of her doing it i know it's also <laughs> it's that amazing thing when you are this this close to an artist and you get to experience their work for their whole life and how it evolves and changes. And I think musical artists especially, like actors, you get to see them mature, but they don't do the same material repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Whereas singers, you hear them sing the song in like the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and then like today. Mm-hmm. It's, and it, it's amazing. I love hearing this song especially evolve. Hello in there, I love hearing evolve too. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, so should we, should we do something for the casual fan? No, for the uh, casual fan, yeah. I mean, so okay, so th- those are some. Th- that is just a snippet, and if you all think this is our only Bette Midler podcast, honey, just I you don't wait. think at this point they believe that. You I know, think that they know they're going to get a lot more. Than um, that. But, uh, but 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 this for, is what y'all know her for. This Let's is what play y'all some know of that and what y'all love her for. And so we're the hardcore fans, so we don't really listen to this. But it's still great. I mean, it brings me there, doesn't it? It really takes me there. go 
the Bad Midler Radio. <laughs> Bad Midler Radio. <laughs> no one asked for it, but we <laughs> we gave it to you anyway. We gave it to you anyways. It's the same. It's, I'm sure that your aunt listens to that Pandora station. The That's the most requested Pandora. song for funerals. Is it? Yeah. I mean, it's what she's known for so much, and it really changed her career and changed her life for the better that's it, it got her in the stratosphere the, the rose did the first everyone knows the ballad the rose so yes, that kind of got her on the ballad on the ballad train and it got her and then this a one Grammy. just fucked her world right up because yeah i mean this made her was like, stick it's around kind of her own well this and from a distance are her mega hits she has three mega but hits. this this is the but this, this is, is the mega mega, mega this mega is the mega mega do you have a go-to cry song? I know we talk about our happy songs and so many in our rocker songs and our ballads. Do you have a go-to, go-to cry song? I do. I have two. What's your go-to okay. cry song? Uh, she has one called, um, one song uh, on, we didn't even talk about Bed of Roses, child. I know. Uh, which is, so Bed of Roses came out in 1995 and it really solidified, I mean, for Nick and I, we, we, we got her record and we sat down and for the first time, we acted like it was fucking the Beatles, a white album and we mm-hmm. dissected it, mama. And, and that was, re- that album was for the mamas. But we thought like we would find every is, truth, everything about, we will read every line or note. It is high, easy listening. It is very, <laughs> it is high, it's as easy as the listening can get. mama, easy listening. And it's, I mean, it is, I, it is, it is still like, we will put that we, almost every time Nick and I get together, that album comes on. Yeah, it w- well, it was, kind and of we listened to it album. in full. It's great. I listened to it last night when I was walking to meet you for dinner. Did you? I, I turn on the, uh, the last time a lot to like make it through New York. Like, yeah, it's got the, a big rocker yeah, beat. That's a rocker beat. Um, so that song that so the so that iconic album that um, uh, there's a song called. Uh, a bed of roses, and it's about giving up, or it's about surrendering to life, and not, be- and and just uh, easing into the disappointment. All the tears. If I'd known, I'd have stopped it at the start. I knew life was long, and I knew. that in a song mm. that you once thought that life was going to be beautiful but but it isn't and you and you put those whims aside mm. and you just relax into the kind of malaise of life and I I, I, I find that a lot in myself and, and I thought that was so beautiful and then she, uh, stay, uh, she, she covers um, Bob Dylan's I Shall Be Released 
that that's cover another by one of her is one of your favorite favorite yeah. recordings that we and have. She, and she does it in a concert with, um, should in concert in Divine Madness. Uh, she sings. She combines. She opens it with um, "You Can't Always Get What You Want" by the Rolling Stones. And she then she a goes medley. little medley, and then she goes into that, and something about I can put that on, and I can just go right to the core of myself and feel it. Feel it's, it. Um, the other the one that's a real roll down my cheeks. Ah, love it. The real cry cue for me. Yeah, and I think I might play a little bit of it if it's okay with you. Is Martha? Oh, you wanted Tom to play this anyways, didn't you? Slip that in there. I just want to play. No, of course, of let's do it. She made me feel awful good. My friend, my friend Tom Waits wrote this song. <laughs> Operator number, please. It's been so many years. Will he remember my voice while I fight the tears? Hello, hello, there is this Tommy. This is Betsy Frost. And I am calling long distance Don't worry about the cost It's been 20 years or more now Won't you please recall And meet me out for coffee We can talk about it all Oh, those were days of roses Poetry and prose and all I had was you, all you had was me. There was no tomorrow, we packed away our sorrows, and we saved them for a rainy day. 
And I feel so much older now. Well, you're much older too. Oh, that song is so beautiful. There's so much regret in it. This idea of like calling someone up who you were in love with after all those years. So she she recorded that song. She did that song in, in concerts, but she recorded that song and she didn't release it. And that's that's the kind of fans that we're at where we. Do you know what album that was from? Was it for songs for the new depression? No, uh, she recorded that song for Thighs and Whispers. Right. Uh that would be a perfect addition. Thousand Whispers is too short. Anyway, it's only ten tracks. I know. So that's like, see, and that's the kind of fandom where we are, where we will spend hours screaming about her unreleased tracks and yeah. fantasizing about putting them on and well, finding the other, them. The other great thing with this song, I find at the end of this performance, and you can find it on YouTube for all of those inclined. She does this thing. It's it's kind of the Christmas episode of SNL, and at the end of the song, they play a little bit of um, "Old Lang Syne." Mm-hmm. And she twirls herself like a little top. Mm-hmm. Even And the song is so sad. And then she does this goofy little twirl. And it's this thing she does a lot. Like Rolling Stone says this about her first album. That you never, whenever it's a sad song, Midler will throw a punchline at the end and then make you cry one more time. She loves to upend roller coaster expectation she loves to move your emotions she loves to do a silly song and then give you a gut punch of emotion at the end and she's all about subverting emotions like that which i love Mm. and i think that this is one of the great examples of Mm -hmm. it and i don't think there's anyone who can sing with regret kind of in the same way as that longing that longing and regret i mean again i think judy does it and i think edith the heartbreak You know, there's just such heartbreak in that sound. So many divas, so little time, and so much to say about them. Uh, I think one of the important things that, you, you know, we want to cover is that sometimes, uh, as much as we love our, our divas, they can let us down. They can. They can let us down. And right before we started this podcast, our forever goddess uh, had a oopsie doozy. Bet let us down. She tweeted, and we all know Twitter is a precarious thing. She tweeted out a Yoko Ono quote um, about women being the N-word of the world. And it is a was a bullshit song when Yoko Ono wrote it a million years ago. And it was bullshit for Bet to use the quote. She was pissed off about the Kavanaugh hearings. And she uh, didn't think about how that would make her fans, or any human who is African-American, especially African-American women, feel. And I think it's an interesting thing to grapple with. You know, like, these these people are imperfect people. Mm-hmm. And when they have a public platform, they're inevitably going to say some stupid shit. They're going to slip up. And she apologized, and I wasn't crazy about her apology. And what I said right after she apologized was, she apologized and she said, I'm an ally and I always have been. And uh, the last thing I want to say about it is that we don't get to declare ourselves allies. We get to act like allies, and then we can accept thanks uh, for being an ally from someone who we're being an ally to. Let's move on to some bet bops. Yeah, let's just end this episode with some like fun, random bet bops. Some, uh, you know, some of our favorite, our favorite hits. Oh my gosh, we haven't even talked about the movies. The movies, the 1980s. She had a string of four genius comedies. So she kind of had like a rough patch. Very rough patch in the early 80s, yes. And um, wasn't kind of, work- like spent a couple of years not really working. And then uh, Disney, Mickey Mouse came calling. Yeah, touched, they, Disney started a thing called Touchstone Pictures, which was going to make adult. It was like their adult version of Disney. And she made 
three R-rated comedies and one PG comedy, and they were Down and Out in Beverly Hills, Outrageous Fortune, and Ruthless People, and Big Business, of course. And Bette Midler, for one year or two years in the 80s, was the highest grossing female uh, actress in Hollywood. Yeah, she was bankable. She was. She became very, very bankable again, and she kind of. And then that led to Beaches, and the string of other films like Stella, which I love, which is a huge flop. And for hates. the boys, which I think actually has a pretty big following. For the boys, which is an amazing movie, which is yeah. what our podcast is named after. For the girls, and she also created, and also she created a um, a production company in the eighties called. The All Girls Productions. All Girls Girls. Productions. And it was all, she had two um, female partners, Bonnie Bruckheimer and Margaret South, who were her producing partners. And they started producing their own work, including For the Boys, for which she was nominated for the Oscar for, and um, which is such a good movie. It's over long and there are problems with it. Um, um, what, have, what other what else what is, what, what, what's oh, your First Wives Club uh, and then First Wives Club after that, which is her last, I th- well, her last really hit movie. Big hit, yeah. I love her. She did a movie in 2008 called Then She Found Me, which is kind of a rare turn for her. She's mm-hmm. It's a dramatic role. It's directed and starring Helen Hunt, um, and I think it's fabulous. It's some Let's of her best out. work on screen ever, yeah. I love that movie. She did Hello... I mean, gosh, we're, God, we're dropping the ball here. She did Hello, Dolly. Oh, for the last two years, I've had Bet in my city, and I've gone to see it four times, and it's been amazing every single time. I've, I saw it once, and I just... I just bawled, just cried my eyes out. So many, she was having so much fun. <sighs> yeah, and the, and the I, mean, it, it, I mean, and it's been documented, but the relationship that she has with the audience on this live stage is kind of like nothing I'd ever seen. It's like really people were just clapping and standing, and they were like, it was like an energy throw. They would mm-hmm. take the energy, throw it at her. She would take the ball, blow it up, and throw it back. I. It's what I used to hear about live theater, and I felt like, you know, yeah, that you, I'm you, seeing it it's now. It's lightning in a bottle, and it happens very rarely. I mean, it was also one of those things for me, having her doing that, that it felt like all of New York City and all of the world was re-celebrating Bette Midler in a way that I feel like hasn't happened in quite a few years. And I just loved it. It made me feel so... It makes me feel good watching other people love her. She might not be, like the queen of Twitter, but she uh, is a pretty big philanthropist and activist. Mm -hmm. She was a huge champion during the AIDS epidemic. Uh, When she moved to New York, she started her own... um, Uh, The New York Restoration Project, and she's responsible for a lot of the parks in New York City. You know, she makes community gardens and parks, and that's her mission, and to make everything green and to clean up the trash. She, she saw trash everywhere. And in L.A., too, she's had a lot of initiatives to clean up the trash. And it's it's been really incredible. She's a philanthropist diva, and we love her She's for an it. environmentalist, she's an a activist, environmentalist. a singer. She had a TV show that we're not going to talk about. <laughs> we're not going to talk about a lot of things she's yeah. made. Um, but what I do want to talk about is, um, I think, something one of our most special fandom diva moments uh, was in... 2000, uh, oh, get it, girl, 2016, 15, 14, whatever. 15, um, I think. 15, we, we saw her finally in concert together. We had seen her in concert separately, but we had never gone to a concert together. So I flew out to Anaheim, California to see her Divine Intervention Tour with Jay. And we, dro- and we drove out there when we got all pumped up and we were wearing our bet shirts and... 
And us and like so many moms and aunts were there. Yeah, we kind of sat in the nosebleed seats and we just, she kind of did the thing that we always wanted. I, I, I don't think we talked about this in the concert or about her too much of the, about her at uh, that cut. I don't think we talked uh, too much about kind of the layout of her concerts, but she uh, does a lot of characters and she mm-hmm. like does like a whole 20 minute mermaid act where she's in a wheelchair and she's motorizing around and she does a whole comedy bit and as this kind of old vaudevillian and based on Sophie Tucker and and she keeps that in this concert but for the most part it's just singing mm-hmm. and it's just her singing what you really feel like are the th- songs she wanted to sing. And we saw her do covers of a, the Leonard Cohen song, Everybody Knows, which oh, she didn't even so know. Good. She um, she did, she pulled out some old chestnuts, like Spring Will re- Really Hang You Up the Most. I mean, it kind of was like she read our minds. Oh, she sang all the songs we wanted her to sing. And she sang Stay With Me, which we played earlier in the episode. And it was so incredible. She also sings, her concerts are long. They're like a good two and a half hours. Oh, and she's on stage the whole time. And she sings her fucking face off and doesn't, none of the keys are changed. And she sang Stay With Me, which we, of course, were waiting for. And it was, it, it was an incredible rendition of it because in, in each version of it, of that song throughout the year, she puts in a different like monologue in the middle of it. And, and in this one... Normally, the monologue is kind of about a lover. She talks about like a lover leaving her and begging this person not to go. And in this one, she relates it to her life that so many she's lost so many people. And all of these people have become ghosts. And Nick and I, I mean, pretty much for the whole concert, but we're just sitting there and holding each other and crying. I mean, it was as if like we were back to our, you know, 12 year old selves. Yeah. And just having this like ex- complete expression of seeing this person we love together, like I said, doing all of the songs we wanted her to do. And when she was, was saying everything. that, it was that realization too that she looked good. Yeah, and with and of her own mortality, you know. Yeah. And I remember leaving that concert and breaking down, crying because, and I kept saying, "This might be the last time I ever see her live." And this idea that this person whose work and whose artistry has been with us for so long isn't actually immortal. She isn't actually divine. You know, she is. And she admits that in that monologue. And that was, was the, I think, the most emotional performance of that song I've ever seen done. Yeah, and it was one of the most emotional live experiences I've ever had. I she mean, also, oh, she fucking just tore up Beast of Burden in that concert. Oh, she yeah. covers I mean, we literally Stones. could wa- walk down every single song she did on that concert. Oh, I mean, it was I could. so good. It, it, it was everything. And we love you, never Beth. visited Anaheim, just oh. get out there. They Honey. have some really good enchiladas. Honey, fuck Disneyland. Just go over, just go a little bit on the outskirts, and it's paradise. It's just, it's a, it's a culinary... Um, they just, dare us to keep this Anaheim read and <laughs> our rework of this closing closing bit. Oh, okay, um, well, listen, we love you, Bet. We love you, Bet. Thank you so much, and thank you, um, everyone who listened to this whole hour of us talking about Bet Midler. Thank you for giving us gonna, a million dollars. Thank you for the million dollar check that you wrote us in order to listen to this podcast. <laughs> And um, and coming up, we're going to invite some more gays to gab about girls. We've got um, Michael Yuri is going to come on. We've got Cord Tuttle, um, Thomas J. Ryan. 
Lipsinka is going to be on. Woo woo. Michael Cyril Creighton is going to be on. Some great so people exciting. talking about some great divas. We're going to cover divas like Whitney Houston, Bernadette Peters, Madonna. Boom. Boom. Barbara. Boom. 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 Liza. Liza. Oh, Alexis Michelle is coming on from RuPaul's Drag Race. We love her. And we want to hear from you, right, Jay? Yeah, write us. Yeah, write, write us. us. And, okay, listen. Okay, uh, we keep saying what we're not going to do. But we're also, we're, we, we, we are inclusive. If you're not a dude, if you're not a cis dude, yeah. that's fine. Write Talk us. to us. Did Tell you us love someone? Did you love her? Talk to us about it. We Set, want to hear from all of you. We want to hear your you. story. How did your diva save your life? Yeah. Email us at mail at forthegirls.com. <laughs> M-A-I-L. <laughs> or is it forthegirlspodcast.com? I don't know. Well, we can, we can clean this okay. part up. Send it to mail at forthegirls.com and at mail. I think it's mail at forthegirlspodcast.com. Send it to both to start off with. Yeah. Or just send it to me on Twitter. Or send us on Twitter or get us up on Instagram. We're, We're on For all the that. Girls on Twitter, For the Girls Podcast on Instagram. Find us, follow us, um, send us messages about that. Um, we're also going to do episodes about Scream Queens. We're going to do episodes about Daytime Divas. Uh, we're going to do an episode about A Star is Born because we are all Quran. We're going tonight to see it, so we're wish us luck. to see it. We're going to do stories about uh, moms in the 90s. So if you have a good story about your mom and her Clay Aiken obsession, oh, we just came tell up us the, about that. We just came up with a good idea. We're going to – and I'm just, just, just wetting your whistle, just getting so excited about this stuff. We are going to uh, break down every ni- every 90s uh, um, Best Actress Race. Oh, we're my gonna, God. I can't wait. And Best Supporting Actress. see too. all of the movies for you. All of the movies. Best what? Best Supporting Actress. Oh, yes. Because we have yes. to cover Joan Cusack mm-hmm. losing for In-N-Out. Mm-hmm. <gasps> 97, yeah. That's amazing. I can't do it. We're going to do several episodes just about Joan Cusack. Oh, please, yes. Several episodes about Kathy Bates. Yes, please. There's so many divas we so have many to get stuff. to. So much stuff. Luckily, we have a podcast now. We can do it. And our um, voices are so important. So For the Girls is produced in my noisy New York apartment by Jason and me. Um, the theme music is by Dan Kluger. And the artwork is by Jessica Love. And we have editing assistance by none other than Terry Gross. <laughs> Terry Gross is our editor. Um, and Ira Glass did all the research. So yes. if we said something wrong, just at him. Fucking oh. get at those people. Hey, you know what I'd like to do for the end? You want to play a song, bitch? I think I want to play another bed song. How do, do you feel do, about do, that? Do, 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 do. Um, so um, just to go out, Bet was the final guest on the Johnny Carson show. Oh, okay. And she's the only person to ever win an Emmy for being just on a talk show. So much that we didn't talk about. I think this is probably our favorite. This is one of the top five performances. Of all yeah. Time. Just, uh, all right. So, here we go. Thanks for listening. Thanks, all. Okay. And once again, here's Bette Midler. Anytime you need moisture. Well, you know, when they ask me to come on, and... I can't believe it. The last, the last guest. The last fool, Mr. Carson, will have to suffer gladly. You are the wind beneath my wings. Oh, well, he is. Quarter to three. There's no one in the place except you and me. So set him up, Joe. Got a little story I think you should know. We're drinking, my friend, to the end of a sweet episode. Make it one for my baby and one more for the road. Got the routine.
make the music so dreamy inside.